Blog Talk Radio. In a country barreling towards a crucial election while facing a pandemic, a liar in chief, fake news, and murder hornets, this is the last 100 days. Yes, it is. Welcome, everyone, to the Last 100 Days podcast. It is Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. We are 55 days out before election 2020. Ooh, I'm your host, Scott Fullerton. Joining me in just a minute is going to be my co-host, as he is on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, actor and advocate Michael Vega. We are uh, already at hump day, thanks to the short four-day week, but the news is just Never stopping. Today we had some huge blockbuster reporting about Bob Woodward's new book, Rage. It's going to be a very eventful 55 days to the election. So let's jump into it. Michael, how you doing, buddy? Happy belated birthday. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, it was a, it was a lovely, lovely weekend. Took a little drive up to San Francisco and uh, did a socially distant uh, visit with my best friend. You know, strolled around the zoo a little bit and, uh, you know, a few lunches here and there and had a good old time. It was, it was just nice to drive and, and, and get away. Nice. And I didn't realize mm-hmm. it until Saturday when I was on Facebook, but you who co-host Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I had your birthday Friday, and Brandon, who co-hosts Tuesday and Thursday's birthday was Saturday. His birthday's the day after yours. It was pretty funny. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Virgos unite. You know, there the you go. Burgos, it, it would, if the world was filled with Burgos, it would be very organized. I bet. Yes, exactly. All, exactly. all of our stock drawers would be lined up. <laughs> nice. Well, I did. I social distance all weekend because I was afraid it was people going to go crazy. And looking at some pictures, mm-hmm. it looks like some people did. So we'll see what happens in two weeks if we get uh, any uh, increased cases in COVID. But I tried to keep it low key, as I told you off air. I went out Saturday. Um, I took a drive. I did my show Saturday that I produced for my mental health show. And then I uh, took some friends. We took a drive out to Lake Erie. It's only about an hour from here. And it was lightly misty and rainy up there. It finally cleared out a little bit in the afternoon. But the temperature was good, like mid-70s or so. Mm. And so we went out to dinner and uh, got back. And as I told you, and if you guys follow me on social media, you know, I left my stupid sunroof open. And on Monday, Uh, it poured down rain all day. So I basically washed the inside of my car. (laughs) Didn't didn't worry about the outside, but I washed the inside of my car. But other than that, it was a nice Labor Day weekend here in Northeast Ohio. Didn't have the heat you guys had. It was crazy hot out there last week. Well, here's the thing, you know, I got lucky. So, you know, karma was with me for my birthday and I'm, I'm waiting for uh, something to fall on me just to balance it out. Because as I drove up uh, the days that I was away from LA, it was 150 degrees. It, it was literally 121 in Woodland Hills, I believe, which is like one of the hottest uh, places around. Um, so I, when I came back, I completely avoided the heat um, and as I'm, I, you know, I'm leaving San Francisco. I don't know if you've seen the Bay Area skies today, 
they're pretty much bright orange. If anyone you know out there has hasn't seen them, it, it, it's an incredible sight. So I avoided the raining ash too. So I'm like, okay, it's been you know a, a good karma so far. But all right, it's gonna there you go. But I know it is. <laughs> yeah, miss the heat and miss the fires. There's fires that they're reporting by where I grew up in Azusa, California today, and Irwindale and everything, my old haunts. Um, it's right in the San Gabriel Mountains there. It's coming down pretty close, Glendora area. That's where I grew up. So it's got a lot of fires going on. My brother, as you know, is a Ventura County Sheriff, and so he told me all about the 121 in Woodland Hills. That was where my dad's old office building was in Woodland Hills when it oh, was for Security Pacific Bank back in the day. So, yeah, I I, wow. I was glad I wasn't out there to join you. That's for damn sure. It was a little crazy out there. I don't know if you read the story, but apparently the El Dorado fire, one of the fires that last I saw was you know 7,000 plus acres, was started because of a, a gender reveal party that that utilized pyrotechnics. <laughs> Can you believe that? You know, Not like a baby's going to get you in debt enough, but now they're going to have to pay all these fines for starting this damn fire, and it could be pretty pricey. I mean, I mean, I honestly, Scott, I find gender reveal parties to be a little bit creepy. Because, you know, I'm of the belief that, well, gender is not determined in the womb. So you're basically having a party. You're having a genitalia reveal party is what you're having. I'm all for celebrating the baby, but, you know, we, we really don't need to know what right. between its legs. <laughs> I saw two funny things on it, actually. One, the girl that did the very first gender reveal back in the 80s or whatever – is thinks they're a stupid thing now. I thought that was an interesting story. <clears throat> but the Get funniest social commentary that I saw was um, someone did, I forget in one of my social medias, I saw the post. If you really want to have a gender reveal party, all you have to do is give the person a wallet. If there's a dollar in it, it's a boy. If there's 78 cents, it's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's a shame, but it's funny, but it's, you know, it's, one of those, uh, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the gender exactly. gap and wage gap um, is true, but it's uh, one of those funny but true. Going yeah. forward, going forward, people just you just get some cupcakes or you know some confetti or you know something really simple. Save yourself a few bucks. Oh. Exactly, that's all you need. You just need to get a little. I mean, I'm all about a cupcake. Give me a blue or pink. Like you said, who knows what's take- going to be down the line. But if you want to start out, <laughs> exactly. tell me what's coming out of the womb as. That's a, I'll take a cupcake. That'll be fun. <laughs> Congratulations. It's a baby. That's it. There you go. Exactly. Well, lots of political news. We're in the stretch. Uh, we Yesterday was our first day back after the Republican National Convention because I was busy working on a side project. And frankly, we both had a little uh, throw up in our mouth from watching the Republican Convention. So we had our week or so off, but uh, the campaigns are in full swing, my friend. They're out traveling the countryside. They're taking the gloves off. They're ripping each other to shreds. Uh, It's a contact sport now, right? Oh, my God. It it, it really is. I mean, I'm I'm glad we took the days off because, like you said, uh, the the RNC really left a bad taste in my mouth. And, And frankly, just exhausted my psyche you know know, there's only so much of this this venom that that i can absorb before you know i I bust a vein in my forehead 
Exactly. No, it's just, and it's tough. I mean, you really can't hear that kind of negativity all the time. And both of them have gone, I wouldn't say Biden has gone super negative. He's trying to stay positive, but he has having to go negative on everything that Trump's done and just having to relieve it is like PSD or PTSD or whatever. It's like having to relive everything that he has done. It's just a little crazy. And um, it's, it's just wackadoodle. But have you heard? Speaking of wackadoodle, big... oh, I'm sorry. You oh, first. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was going to say. Speaking of wackadoodle, I was before we get into uh, 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 election stuff. Uh, the Nobel Prize nomination, um, which which made me cackle, you know, that he got uh, nominated. Um, to which I had to look up all the parameters of uh, getting a Nobel Prize. And well, first of all, the the person, the Norwegian guy who nominated him, also made some toward comments about Obama, saying Obama didn't do anything to get his. I'm like, oh, right. okay, so he, you know, he's a he's a, a Trumper there. Um, yeah, uh, so apparently thousands of people are invited to nominate every year to nominate someone to write a letter uh, to submit a letter. Um, right. So you know the the idea that you know all these headlines that say he was nominated, well. He got one letter out of thousands, and three hundred some, some odd, three hundred eighteen, I think, were nominated. So, you know, Donnie, I wouldn't be patting myself too hard on the back. <laughs> exactly, and this is the same guy that nominated once before for right right after he got elected for something else that was nothing really worthwhile. I mean, at least this thing it's for the potential peace deal between Israel and United Emirates. I mean, that's a little unprecedented. It's not a big deal, but it's a little unprecedented. So I don't mind this as much. I still don't think he's going to get it. I don't think he necessarily deserves it because he has too many minuses and everything else that he's torn apart for the United Nations uh, for the, for helping uh, peace not go along so well. But at least he had something he was quasi nominated for. This is the same wackadoodle that nominated him earlier three years ago for nothing in particular whatsoever and it's just gotten worse so yeah i think I'm just because he's sorry yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> i'll leave that over. all right well let's so, start off what, with this what were you on new the- book reveal that came out today because it's causing oh, all sorts of headlines i don't know how much you've been following it but bob woodward of course is uh, one of the co-authors of All the President's Men, him and uh, his co-writer, who I forget his name right now. Um, God, who is it? Bob Woodward and I'll think of it later on. Um, anyway, Bob Woodward is a huge political writer. He's uh, They wrote All the President's Men. They were instrumental in the bringing down of Nixon, of course. It was the... Uh, the Deep Throat and all that other fun stuff. They wrote about all that stuff back mm-hmm. in the day. And he has continued to write very serious um, political um, exposés, I guess, ever since then. So his new book is it doesn't even come out till next Tuesday. The book is called Rage. And he gave a couple of reporters advanced copies to read, as people do. And so mm-hmm. two of my favorite reporters, uh, Bob Costas, and Phil Rucker from Washington Post. And uh, they got an advanced copy of the book. And so they were able, they were given the green light to go ahead and kind of do the reveals on what their takes were on the book. 
and it's some pretty bomb bombshell things. And I hate it. That term is so overused these days. There's a bombshell, but every five seconds, obviously, but it really has a couple of big stories. One of them. And and the the thing is, we got to preface the book. The book was actually done over 18 interviews that Trump granted with Woodward. So it's not like it's anything new. A lot of these were taped and Bob Woodward had the okay to tape the interviews, even though normally when you do an interview with the president, of course, there's a press secretary and everything else. But uh, Trump gave Woodward unfettered access, and Woodward said, you can call me anytime you want to think of something. So Trump actually called him on the own, on his own from the residence a couple times where Bob Woodward recorded these things. So everything that's in here is on tape. And one of the unprecedented things is Woodward never reveals his tapes. He tapes a lot of interviews. The guy's like 70-something years old. I would tape stuff, too, because I can't remember everything that you read. But he's never released tapes before. But because it's Trump, and Trump denies anything that's ever said, right, he's uh, letting these tapes go public with it as well to prove that it is. And so some of the things on it, um, on either January 27th or 29th, January 27th to 29th, Trump was told by his national security advisors that the COVID virus was deadly and probably airborne. So he knew back on the 27th or 29th how bad this Mm -hmm. was. And we know how much he downplayed it for the entire time. He also knew later on that it was affecting a lot more young people, as was told. So he knew this whole thing going on, and he lied about it and downplayed it. And he actually says in one of his taped interviews, yes, of course I downplayed it because I didn't want people to panic. Well, dude, we panic because we don't know what's going on. So what have you heard about the story so far? What are your first thoughts on just that part? There's more parts to it, but what about the COVID part? that that's the part that 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 I've been focusing on. I've been reading some uh, you know a few things on, and I listened to the tape. You know where he on was at March nineteenth is when he when this particular tape was was recorded. Uh, things from his mouth. Uh, this is deadly stuff in reference to uh, uh, COVID. Uh, he says uh, uh, very much. Uh, I'm. I'm losing where I wrote this stuff. <laughs> oh, that he always says it out of his own mouth. He says, I wanted to always play it down. These are all quotes. Right. Uh, I still like playing it down because I don't want to create a panic, as you just said. Um, and he even makes a comment about uh, knowing that it's worse than your typical flu. So all the things right. that he was uh, you know, denying about it, every little aspect he denied later, he knowingly, you know, he, he, he knew. And that's, you know, I, I now want to change his, you know, instead of liar-in-chief in the introduction, can we change it to murderer-in-chief? Because, exactly. uh, you know, that's that's basically, I mean, with inaction, it, it led to the deaths of, of thousands. I mean, who knows how, how many deaths could have been prevented had he just simply acted, just sucked it up and, and you know, something, did something. Well, the actuaries have even made notes of that. They've said if it was done... One week earlier, he would have saved 36,000 lives. If it would have done two weeks earlier, he would have saved like 52,000 lives. So it's actually numbers that back up what you're saying. He basically killed 52,000 people 
for not letting people know how serious this was and closing down earlier. And the thing that pisses me off is he's still trying to tout that, well, I, but I closed the, the, I, I helped close down the airports to let people come in from China. Yeah, you did that two days after you got this report that said it was a deadly virus and airborne. So good on you for doing that. But then he goes on to say, but Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi said it was a bad move. Well, of course they did, because they didn't know the information. You would not share with them that it was a deadly virus at the time. No one knew this but you. So, yeah, you should have shut that down. Joe Biden has not held a freaking public office in nearly four years. So to to even try to put the responsibility in his lap. You know, how do you do? What what would what would Biden do if I mean make a commercial about it? I mean, what sort of right, exactly. uh, governance is he able to do, even if he had all the information? I mean, but I it can't proves that his own point. He's saying, but I did this, and no one gives me credit for it. No one gives you credit because you didn't tell anyone. That's how bad it was, and you didn't do it. I mean, you you detain people from coming in from China unless they were Americans, unless they were traveling abroad from America. So you didn't stop everyone coming in from China. You didn't stop and, people flying from China to Europe and then dry, flying here from Europe, which is what happened in Florida when their cases spiked. It was part of the European strain. I mean, there's a lot of I things do, you didn't you, do because no one knew about what was going on, right? It's mm-hmm. like you That's are perfect. an idiot. And you know darn well that him stopping the flights, et cetera, from China, it was not – solely about the, 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 the virus. It was to, to fulfill, you know, to play into his narrative that, you know, China's bad, China's bad. You know, I refuse to believe that he did that to save, uh, to save lives. That, that just, it just fueled, you know, his anti-China um, uh, uh, narrative. Right. Plain and simple. Well, even there, Otherwise, though, he, I would have backed that 100% virus, if I would have known it was a deadly true. virus, airborne virus coming from China at the time. I would have even backed that if he would have been honest with us, but he yeah. wasn't even honest for that. Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's um, uh... So I had this, um, this uh, a little bit of a conversation about this earlier. Um, <clears throat> someone who uh, said that you know Woodward himself, because he didn't release this earlier, has blood on his hands. And while I guess there are elements of truth in that. Um, you know, and I'm not defending, you know, him for not putting it out. But my hunch is that if he had, it would have been swept under the rug much more easily than than you know they will try to now. I, right. I think it would have come and gone with you know the propaganda machine would have squashed it much easier than than now. No, and I think it's a fair point, though. I mean, as much as we yelled about Bolton yeah. not doing his testimony because he waited for his book to come out, basically Woodward did the exact same thing, right? He knew all this was going on yeah. and waited for his book to come out. So I think it's very fair criticism um, about yeah, that. So that's something that needs to be explored as well. But just because yeah, he didn't do it doesn't make the president any better for it because he would have just denied oh, it, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. I, I just, I'm just curious as, as to if uh, Woodward had, there was some sort of strategic reason for waiting. I know he, it's about releasing a book. I know, I know, I know. But was there also a, a motivation as to now as opposed to a little sooner? 
So I, I'm curious about that. I don't know either way, but I would love to. I would love to know. Well, you also have to consider the source too. I mean, he's hearing both things from Trump, right? He's hearing Trump in these conversations, like this is the deadly virus and this is bad, but Trump is telling the public it's not. How do you know what to believe from Trump, right? And you're are you going yeah. before you find out more facts on it? So it puts everyone in a very hard situation because what if he would have reported it and it was not true and he was just making it up that it was this uh, deadly thing and nothing came of it, right? Because yeah. at the time he uh, told him, go. I think Great we point. first told him was February 7th and then, like you said, March 9th or something. So it's yeah. like, how do you know what to believe at that point? It's very and tough. we didn't even have the – full science they didn't even have full scientific evidence i mean it's been you know it, it's been an ongoing study so i can see where right. you know a journalist is not going to release you know i that might have been even more irresponsible to release or equally irresponsible to release uh, uh information that hasn't been verified you know by right. you know, disease experts i mean should it till now probably not i think you could say that he could have done this in july easy we knew by July mm-hmm. things were getting pretty bad, um, maybe yeah. even um, end of June or mid-June. So I, I think there's a good case. I think there's a good case. Like you said, we can't do one side and yell at uh, Bolton for not testifying instead of waiting for his book and him not bringing this out when the pandemic got really bad because obviously the truth was there, that it was airborne, that it was all this other stuff. Things, as truths were coming out, he had ample mm-hmm. opportunity to say something and did not. So I think that is – that is a fair criticism to make both ways, but yeah. still it doesn't but which stop is the, the underlying yeah, fact which, that we were being lied to by everybody. Yeah. Which is the greater crime? Is it, is it, and not that we have to equate it, but is not releasing information a greater crime than lying about the information? Like, which, right. you know, I, I try to, you know, weigh that, it, it, you know, um, yeah. Even though Trump had the information, he was blatantly lying about it. So, right. I mean, a lie no, by omission is still a lie, but you know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, the next part of the book we can talk about for a second is how all of these people, speaking of people that should actually speak up, some have spoken out mm-hmm. publicly, some have not, but it basically. He was labeled as dangerous, as unfit, no moral compass, doesn't know the difference between the truth and a lie. And that's all for people that worked in his inner circle, Defense Secretary James Mattis, Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats, former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. Um, Some of that has come out. Not all of it has. But these are direct quotes coming in here um, just saying what a bad decision maker that Trump is all along. I, for the life of me, I can't understand why people still follow this guy. What is I, yeah, I what just, I, is it about it? I don't understand it. I was, I will just, I you know, I was just going to say that will it will it affect his followers? Um, the the diehards, no, I don't think so. I think you know they have too much invested in the lie they've told themselves, and to uh, acknowledge. You know that that their beliefs are are, are <laughs> more than askew. You know would mean to give up. You know an entire belief system that they that they've held on to for for four years. So right. I think do do they know that, that, that there's probably lies involved? I'm sure some do. 
but I don't think they're going to act on it. I think they're, you know, just going to dig in and just stay the course. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's the sad part. I mean, you get all these revelations we had last week. We had the revelation about what he said about U.S. military and veterans and everything. And that's not affecting. And this is probably not going to affect. It's like, I understand you're trying to hide to save face for a bad decision on your vote for president. But, hey, everyone's allowed to be wrong on something, right? I don't understand what they are what they are holding their hat on. The only thing that I could see, and we'll get into that as the next section of this book, is mm-hmm. the racist part, right? They are truly oh, dug uh, in yeah. on the immigrants and the racism. That's all I can think of, to be honest with you. Well, that's the only, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, I think there's a, a huge, there, that, there's that. I, I believe it's mostly that. And, you know, a pure ignorance, you know, because I don't think – I think they are under the, the illusion that he's doing something to help them, you know, economically and in jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, when I read stuff on, on social media, how some of his followers uh, address any, any negativity in, say, the economy or, or anything that's going on, their blame – you know, they'll blame Biden, who's not in office. They'll blame Obama, who's not in office. They'll blame the Democrats, who, you know, are not in power. They'll blame Pelosi, who, you know, can't just – doesn't have, a, you know, a blank check to do whatever she wants, right? So I, I right. think they're so brainwashed that, you know, no, these are the results of somebody else's actions. This is the result of the other party's actions. You know, no matter what he does, it's – no, 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 it, it's probably – it's their fault. They're lying. Right. So but I it's think just it's been a triple... as to how the government actually works. You know what I mean? Right. I, I don't think they realize how much the Senate, you know, or Mitch McConnell blocks stuff. I, you know, I don't think they realize the, the pecking order and, you know, the things, the hoops that have to be jumped through to, to get something passed or to, to push something forward. So... Yeah. Right, and if you're only getting your source from Fox News, I mean, newspaper readership is down all over the country, obviously. So as you say, they're getting it from social media or Fox News. If that's your only two sources, um, you're going to have a skewed view of things, I guess. But it's just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. And and the and the whole, I mean, this is not digressing much, but uh, the whole there, you know, the the amount of uh, bots or trolls, uh, if you will. On social media are are I mean astounding, and I can I can spot one often. You know, if I, it depends on the comments, you know, and I will go depending upon the tone of the comments, I will go to their page or you know, and and you can usually right. tell that it's a fake account. So you know, the, the, these trolls are you know specifically uh, uh, focusing on getting a comment in like if somebody like if i was to post something about great about biden i assure you that somebody's going to just swoop in with a comment that you know uh, right a a maga comment and they're probably not even a a, an actual american voter right and as we've talked about on here before even the bots that aren't putting out disinformation trump has bought so much ad space on facebook and and kills it Mm. in the 
a viral social media game as far as ad and, and advertisements and promotions that he kills Biden. I mean, how long was he on the homepage of YouTube for, I think, eight days or something like that? He bought the homepage of YouTube. He's bought oh, yeah. more uh, Facebook advertising, um, like, 10 times more than Biden, I think, last, or eight times more than Biden last time I checked. I mean, he knows how to play that game well himself besides these bots helping him. He's just making smart buy ad buys on these things, too, and promoting his own disinformation on there. Well, if anything, I'll give him he's, he's a showman. <laughs> he knows how to make good yeah. TV. And that's, you know, that's what it all is for him. It's ratings, it's TV, how many people like him, you know, because of uh, affirmations. Yeah. So he knows what he's exactly. doing there. I'll give him that. Well, the next part of the book, we can talk about it for a second. There is the race part. Bob Woodward hmm. um, told him that basically you and I both come from privilege. I came, my dad was a lawyer and a judge in Illinois. We know where your dad was from. We were both raised on had white privilege. What do you think about systemic racism? And first he said, well, you drank the Kool-Aid on that, didn't you? He didn't said, he said there, uh, the white privilege thing is nonsense, but he did admit to saying that there is systemic racism in the country. He got him to admit to that, although he's, he always has the couches he does, but it's not as bad as other countries. So it doesn't matter if there's systemic racism, there's systemic racism. It doesn't matter what other countries have at worst. It's always a degree, right? And we've been doing it here for oh, a long absolutely. time. So at a least he admitted time. to the systemic racism, but he refuses to see it from the white privilege point of view. So how much can you really understand it, right? I mean, maybe he just doesn't understand what what systemic racism is, <laughs> maybe, you know, because he's not the brightest bulb. So if, if he because if you can't make the connection to the two and I, I understand that, you know, his whole thing is branding. So you don't want to connect systemic racism with the idea of white. Right. For him to, to for him to put them in, in the same sentence, then, you know, it, it, it's going to cre- it creates a truth. So, of course, he's going to, you know, acknowledge one but not connect it to the other. Um, but right. how can you not? <laughs> how can you not? If you, you know, just look at systemic racism as it is, yeah, you know, the hundreds of years of – and I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I get in this conversation with, with some people about, you know, systemic racism, and immediately they're, they're, the conversation goes to slavery. Okay, which, yes, 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 that, that's the roots. But what a lot of people don't seem to understand is, you know, okay, slaves were freed, but the, the white people had such an economic advantage for hundreds of years. You know, they were right. able to already start pursuing the, the, the American dream, as it were, you know, while, you know, our, our black citizens were just left, left behind and not given the same opportunities for, you know, not even, you know, not even today. So I, I don't think some people understand that that is in part, that's, that's it right there. You know? Exactly. I mean, just look even, at neighborhoods, look at schooling. There's so many components of it that if you're not looking at the entire big picture, you can't bring it back to, I mean, you can start at the root cause. That's right. I mean, slavery was the root cause of it. 
but different things have built onto that, not being able to the segregation, not being able to mm-hmm. work at the same places, being able to go to the same schools. All of this kept adding on top and on top and on top of it, that it just kept building, right? Yeah, and 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 it becomes sort of insurmountable. You know, once you keep you keep building that that that, that the racist wall, you know, how do you expect people to overcome that when you keep adding another brick, another another way that makes it more difficult for them to uh, you know attain have the same opportunities as everyone else. You know, you right. keep snatching that away, you know, becomes like I said insurmountable. Like, where do you begin? You know, yep. I hear people saying, well, you know, they just got to work hard and, you know, pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Like, no. I mean, yes, but, you know, everybody has to work hard to get what they, you know, they have. But if it's not equally aligned, if if, he, if you're not able to, to uh, uh, you know, get what you want in the same way as anyone else can, then where do you go from there? What, what right. do you have to do? You, well, we are a great country uh, of opportunity, right? You have the opportunity to do a lot of things in this country, but there is still privilege, right? Privilege is different than opportunity. Yeah. Um, privilege gives you, as you said, the starting point. Privilege will give you a better starting point um, in, in some places than others. And that's what what the institutional part of the racism and uh, white privilege is, right? It's like it's not yeah. like that there is an opportunity for everyone to get better, but if you come from a poor neighborhood, um, if you do great in school, then you have the opportunity to maybe go better. But if you don't have enough food to eat, if you don't have, if you have the chance of getting beat up all the time, if you don't have as good a school district, then all of a sudden that opportunity goes away, right? So well, it's yeah, like there's so many the different education. aspects of it. If you're seen by a racist as, as different, you walk into the same job as anyone else with the same uh, level of education, even more so. And then you have people that just because of the color of your skin, you're not going to get that opportunity. You know, that job may be you may have worked your ass off to, to get to that place where you can take advantage of the opportunity, but then it's denied to you because of the color of your skin. So how do, how do you overcome that? Right. Or your gender, uh, somebody, as we just uh, talked about and joked about earlier. Yes. Gender is still absolutely. unequal, just as unequal. It's not as unequal as black. I believe it's, uh, like I said, it was a dollar to the white person. It was to the white male. It was 72 cents or 73 cents to the white female. And it was like 60 something cents for the black person, right? So it's still and kind zero, of stacked against you. Zero for the non essential worker, just putting that out there. Just putting it out there. Right. Um, right. I digress. I kid. Uh, I, so somebody posted this meme earlier, and not that memes are true, but it is a truth. So I just love the way it was worded. Um, and it said, if you've never had a Supreme Court case decide if you have the same rights as others, you have privilege. Exactly. And I, and I would even request. say, yeah, I don't even know if I would call that privilege because it is one privilege that shows how varied privileges are because as LGBT people, right, we've had to have a Supreme Court case, too, but I'm white, so I get my white privilege, but I lose my privilege. It's like two steps forward, three steps to the right. So I don't even know if yeah. privilege is the argument on that, right? If, if, it's a Supreme, if the Supreme Court has to 
decide if you're right. That's just in general. I don't know if that's privilege or it's just well, no. you've been put upon. But 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 uh, you know, cis cis uh, straight cis males, straight cis white males have never had to have their rights questioned. So yes, that is privilege. You know, it, when it comes Unless to you're gay. Uh, uh, well, I I, <laughs> I said straight cis white males. <laughs> Okay, all right. You're right. All in there. Okay, you're right. True. Straight. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's, so, that's true. No, very true. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, very, speaking very of, interesting. Speaking of Supreme Court, uh, I just I, – I didn't write – oh, it was Fox that reported it, that uh, he was throwing around uh, Tom Cotton as a possible Supreme Court nominee if then he gets to fill another one. Um Speaking yeah. of your rights getting thrown away. <laughs> he is um he's doing all these little things because he's right now he's just trying to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, right? So like uh, yesterday yeah. he says or yesterday or today he says he's going to bring one third of the troops back from Afghanistan, trying to appeal <laughs> to the military families. Uh today he gives out twenty nominees for Supreme Court justice, even though we have no one retiring yet, um, one of which is Tom Cotton, one of which is Ted Cruz, um, and 18 other people, because he's trying to get for the conservatives for the anti-abortions and things like that, right? So he is just throwing anything that can stick to try to give different constituencies. I mean, even as much as that was the right thing to do for that, I mean, the best part of the Republican convention and there wasn't really much, but there was maybe two high points. And one mm. high point was the black person that I have to give credit for, uh, Kim Kardashian, helping get out of prison um, and helping institute um, judicial reform. And he commuted and, and pardoned her. She did a great speech, and he pardoned her, which I think is good. Um, it's the one good thing he's actually done. Um, he didn't do it alone. He had to get it passed mm. in both houses, which they did. But uh, that yeah. was probably the one bright spot that I'll say for him. And uh, so that was a cool thing. But as far as everything else, he's just throwing stuff at the wall, trying to make things stick. And it's just so much of his empty promises. So I mean, I think that know. was that was also something he threw at the wall, but it just happened to be something good. You know, right. you know. Thankfully, he did that, but that that was all part of let's let's see how I can win people. And let's just you know, let's see what sticks. Um, well, basically, if she didn't have done- more followers on Twitter and Instagram than him, he probably would have done it. She wasn't married to married to Crazy Kanye. I mean, I'm sure that right. that yeah made a little difference there. Um, in case anyone Who made the ballot yesterday Cotton. in Mississippi? His, I think, what, eighth yep. state he made the ballot in. So yeah. He has got some southern yeah. states he's on the ballot for. So we'll see if he pulls a little bit from Biden. I think he's still too wackadoodle to pull a lot of votes from Biden. Um, mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah. So he did get a quick um, to Mississippi's ballot. Oh, Lord. Um I was just going to say, in case anybody listening doesn't know uh, about Tom Cotton's position on Roe versus Wade, if he becomes a Supreme Court uh, judge, you can just throw that out the window. 
So right. it'll give you an idea as to, you know, how how dangerous this this uh, election is. You know, not in terms of just the crazy in the White House, but the, the 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 crazy that will ensue when the Supreme Court is stacked. Right. No, Tom Cotton is 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 uh, super conservative on everything. At least Ted Cruz has waffled on a few issues, not many. Yeah. But at least he can be maybe reasoned with. Tom Cotton, no, not a chance yeah, in no, hell no. that you can I think- reason anything with him. I, I think I think Cruz is uh, rather than uh, his own personal ideology. I think it's he's going to go. He, he goes a little bit more where uh, it, it's to his advantage, you know, his political advantage, you know. Right. Where no, Tom I think Co- that's all he's trying to do. He's trying to appeal like, to different constituencies. He's losing in a lot of polls, so he's throwing different thing out there, giving red meat to different voter bases. Um, as only a president can, and seeing what helps him and what doesn't. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he has that advantage of being president where he can put out some policies that will uh, appeal to different people. Um, yeah. Even though, like I said, you're, giving, you're making a list of Trump, of, of Supreme Court nominees when there's no vacancy right now. But making that list is giving you a political advantage somehow. Which is ridiculous oh, because nobody else can make a list, um, yes. or they can make a list, but they're they have no power to do it. If he wins, he has power to actually do something about it. So it's oh. it's a dangerous game he's playing. Back to the book. Know, I want I to go to one last point oh, okay. of the book real quick, and then yeah. we'll move on to other stuff. But the last okay. thing that uh, Woodward has in the book. He obtained the 27 love letters between President Trump and Kim Jong-un of North Korea, oh, of geez. which he, he kind of transcribed two of the letters where um, Kim calls him your excellency. He says that would be reminiscent of a scene from a fantasy film if they got together again. And they have oh a deep God. and special friendship between us that will work as a magical force if the two of us get together. <laughs> it's like, how, what is this guy saying? And I, was, wow. I would hate to see what Trump is writing back to him. It doesn't show what Trump wrote back to him. It just shows the actual letters that, that Kim wrote to Trump. And I thought that was pretty uh, you know, amusing. I'm really curious as to what fragrance. Uh, Trump sprays the the letter before he mails it out. <laughs> exactly. Is it like uh, I think it, you know it, it can't be like real a uh, uh, real high end fragrance. It's got to be a fabulous fake, no doubt. Reminds me of Elle Woods and Legally Blonde, and it's scented too. <laughs> scented paper. I don't oh, like it. Oh God. God. Too what you, crazy. I didn't get a chance to read too much about it, but uh, the. The idea of a Department of Justice uh, representing Trump in the, the rape case. Have you read anything about right. that? Um, it's very interesting. I did put a couple notes on it. It was just breaking yesterday during our Ooh. show, so I didn't wasn't able to talk too much about it yesterday. I did look at it a little bit today. It's very interesting. Um, of course, William Barr is all over this who is basically his lawyer and not the country's lawyer anymore. But what what they're saying is because Trump 
what happened is the girl that took this, this Jean Carroll, E. Jean Carroll, who accused Mm -hmm. him of slander or defamation because she said that he had um, sexually assaulted her and he denied it and said, I wouldn't do it because she's ugly and she's not my type. And so she sued him for defamation over those comments. Um, What Barr is saying is because he said that while he was president, he is able to engage this thing called the Westfall Act, where anyone who is in officials who are elected and answer press questions while they're in office, even if those Mm -hmm. questions relate to their personal activity and could bear upon their personal fitness, is in fact Mm -hmm. the course of federal employment and therefore be certified under the Westfall Act and um, talk and be taken over by the Justice Department. So it's kind of, if you look at a technicality, maybe, but it just yeah. ruins the spirit of the law because the spirit, the law also says that if you are a member of Congress, if you're being defended by Congress, you cannot be... If you're an official act, if they're trying to use this act that he was officially the president doing this, even though this happened well mm-hmm. before his presidency, that a president cannot be sued for defamation. So it would throw out hmm. the entire suit just by changing the Justice Department, taking it over. So it's really something to quash the entire suit. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Pundits are basically saying it is just done because I guess they were going to try to depose him in this in the end of September mm-hmm. or October. So it would have happened before the election. Doing this, the best they can do is fight this in court for them not to have standing the Justice Department. It'll drag it out past the election. That's what these cynical uh, people are of course. So um, it just, it's just another blatant abuse of power that you're having a Justice Department defend the president in a personal civil suit that will throw absolutely. out the thing. It's just it's absolutely nutcase. So, yeah, and then it, it, it sets a it's, uh, like, oh, okay, I'm yeah. sorry. And then it's just, you know, of course, it sets a precedent for uh, going forward that the you know right. the Justice Department can be used uh, in, in a manner that it should not be. You know, we're basically we're basically paying for his uh, defamation. You know, for, to, for the Justice Department to defend him in a defamation suit. You know, my tax dollars exactly. at work. That <laughs> happened on his personal time, or uh, well, that happened on when he was president regarding case personal, and just shows another mm-hmm. thing of what he says while he's in office. It shows how unfit he is in the things that he says in office, which makes you believe the whole thing from the military. I mean, you got to figure. He's getting a triple whammy this week, right? He's got the military, uh, the Atlantic article last week about what he said about mm-hmm. all the military people. Then he has Michael Cohen's book that came out yesterday <laughs> say, saying everything. We haven't even got to that today because this book that hasn't even been released yet gathered all the headlines of the day. But Michael Cohen did his first. He's probably got to be pissed as hell. He was on all the news networks yesterday to promote his book that came out yesterday. And now Bob Woodward's getting all this press for a book that doesn't even come out for another week or two. So uh, oh, Cohen's got to be pissed as hell. But uh, hopefully we can circle back to Michael Cohen's him. book. He's, yeah, he's got Atlanta. Yeah, that'll be a good one. But in one mm-hmm. week, he's got an Atlantic article, a Michael Cohen book, 
and the excerpts of a Bob Woodward book all coming out saying what a piece of shit he is, which he is. So I'm uh, well, glad he's having a bad week. Personally. Poor thing. I, I, I wish I was there to give him a big, big hug. Right, exactly. But no. So And I before, think Biden's I, it, been it, pretty forceful on this. I like that Biden came out on the campaign trail. I mean, Biden was not even supposed to – he originally said he was not going to go out on the campaign trail until after – Labor Day, because of all the shit show that was the Republican National Convention, he came out last week going to Flint, to Pittsburgh, and a couple other places. So I think that was very smart of him, and I think he's been very forceful. Um, even today in Michigan, he was in Warren, Michigan, um, talking well, to union workers there, and was, I mean, the, the news of Woodward's broke while he was in flight there, and said something Ooh. about... Uh, we can't have any confidence in his leadership. It was all about making sure the stock market didn't come down and that his wealthy friends didn't lose any money. He waved the white flag and he walked away, didn't do a damn thing about it, even though he knew about it in January and February. So, I mean, it gives him some great talking points for Biden, which I'm very happy about that he's coming out swinging. Good, good, good. Um I, I, it's just uh, not really an aside, but about uh, it's about voting because um, I'm seeing a lot on so- social media this idea of once again, you know, every time I, I, you hear uh, the, the whole thing about shame, right? And I'm reading a lot about you know, anytime somebody posts something about you should be voting blue, you should be doing this, you should be doing this, you know, inevitably there's a comment about voter shaming. And what I have to say to that is, you know, I, I have a big middle finger right here. Uh, you know, you don't – if you feel shame because somebody comments how you should vote, then that is an issue unto itself. You know, right. shame is something you feel. Something Shame is not something somebody can make you feel if you don't want to feel it. So if you're feeling shamed by somebody's suggestion about a vote, you might want to look inward about, uh, you know, where does that shame come from? Because you might not be uh, feel so good about your vote. Yeah, you're you're reflecting. A lot of shame has to do with reflecting uh, your own personal attitudes. Mm-hmm. I agree 100. percent And if if you're feeling shame that someone's telling you to vote blue, um, that's ridiculous. Uh, you have yeah, the option. That, that, to vote. I think that's where a lot of his quote unquote silent majority came from last time. People felt shamed into not voting for him. I understand where the comments coming from. But it wasn't really yeah. shame. I mean, if you were ashamed to vote for him and voted for him anyway, that says so much more about you than it does about the pressure you were to vote for him. Just say, if you are comfortable with him, say, I'm voting for him because I want to, not because I'm Absolutely. Ashamed. if you're ashamed to do it, that's on you. Man. I mean, I agree. 100%. I read equal comments about voting Republican. I don't feel shame about it. If I don't want to address it, I scroll past, I turn the page, I change the channel. Uh, if I want to address it, I may make a comment, but it's hardly, I hardly feel shamed over my phone. Right. Um, yeah. Folks, if you're feeling shame, you might want to look inward. Call your therapist. There you go. All right. We got about enough time for two more topics. Anything on your hot button? I kind of like that he had to cancel his two Vegas stops this week because uh, Vegas would, Nevada would not let him. Um, he told me he had to limit his gathering to 50 people. He's been doing these hangar events, airport hangars, mm. and they said, sorry, in Nevada, you're 
50 people max, and he wasn't happy with that, so he canceled his two events in Nevada this weekend. So it's like, F you, if you can't handle 50, that's what Biden's doing, 50 people or less. You can't handle it, oh, well. This is the you. point to be there for the for the people for your your you know your followers. I mean, right. <laughs> should it matter how many are there? Isn't the point you know that you're there for them? Exactly. Apparently not. Oh, I got yawn. Sorry about oh. that. <laughs> well, sorry to keep you up there. I know. Goodness, getting late. <laughs> you know, it's all of uh, what time is it over there? It's it's almost nine o'clock. Oh, geez. Time for me to go to bed. <laughs> You're going to turn into a pumpkin at any moment. I tell you, it's a scary thing. <laughs> yeah. Any other things on your hot button to wrap it up, my friend, before we jump out of here in a sec? I think, you know, my, my pages here are just uh, scribbled all over, so I think I got everything I needed to, uh, I need to get out of it for the moment. There you go. Tomorrow will be interesting. We have Mitch McConnell speaking of stunts pulling out the new Republican bill for COVID relief. It's, um, I think, 55, uh, how much was it? Let me look real quick. $500 billion. So it's half of what he originally proposed in his $1 trillion when Democrats asked for $3 trillion. Uh, Republicans asked for $1 trillion. They tried to meet in the middle, and Republicans refused to do it. So um, he is doing a $500 billion supposedly stand relief. But they don't even think he can get the 60 people to pass it tomorrow. He's just trying to shame oh. any Democrats who don't want to vote for it. So we'll see what happens with that tomorrow. Other Apparently, than that, there's not too much going on. I, uh, I think I read this correctly, that it does not include a, a stimulus che- another stimulus check uh, similar to the one that we got some months ago. Stimulus check, it does make the $300 that Trump's giving into law, which is good because the money – that that 300 is currently coming from FEMA is set to expire in about a month. They're going to run out of money. They're going to basically bankrupt FEMA for the 300 that Trump's been giving out. So it would put that 300 into law, but it's only 300, not the 600. It is only, it would uh, do another round of the payroll protection, but it does have nothing for ordinary Americans that don't own their own business trying to pay their employees. So you're right. It does not have any of that. It's stripped down quite a bit. So, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh. Well, Michael Vega, what thanks a, for um, yeah. talking about our last hundred days here with me. Let everyone know where they can find you on social, my friend, if they want to argue with us off off air. <laughs> Yay! Um, so, Michael Vega, uh, like on uh, Facebook, and then Michael Vega Act on all the other things. So, Michael Vega underscore act. There you go. And I am at Left of Straight on all my social media. Left of Straight show will be back next week. We're on our three-week hiatus between seasons after six months. We're going to have another six months here. We're going to play out with a little bit of Billy Gilman with his latest soldier. Guys, thanks for tuning in to Last 100 Days Podcast. I'll be back with Brandon tomorrow and Michael again on Friday at 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Have a great night, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Love is in battle. We build this tower, this tower of Babel, the savers may rattle. But 
I'm gonna keep fighting, fighting. I'm gonna keep. 